Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, 9th, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the PrepWell podcast. Today, we're talking about some more of the do's and don'ts when it comes to athletic recruiting. Specifically, we are discussing what you might ask or be asked when talking to college coaches during the recruiting process. And this typically won't happen until the summer after your sophomore year. The exact timing will vary by sport. Before then, coaches aren't typically allowed to speak directly to you at all because of NCAA rules and regulations. In fact, in most cases, they aren't supposed to correspond with you in any way, shape, or form until then. And the reason for this is so that student-athletes can focus on their sport and schoolwork and friends in the early days of their high school career without the anxiety and the stress often associated with the recruiting process and talking directly to coaches. Basically, until the end of your sophomore year, you shouldn't have to worry about talking directly to coaches. And by the way, this does not mean that you should wait until after sophomore year to reach out to coaches. That's not how it works. In fact, it's the opposite. You should be reaching out to coaches in ninth and 10th grade so that there's something to talk about when that window opens. You should be priming the pump for a few years with your favorite coaches and your target colleges. I'm talking highlight reels, emails, texts, updates. So when that window opens, you have someone to talk to. Don't sit around doing nothing until June 15th after your sophomore year, and then sit by the phone expecting it to ring. That's going to be a lonely night because nobody's going to call. Except in a few rare cases, nobody will know who you are. You need to develop these relationships well ahead of time so that when a coach is able to call, they are eager to reach out to you as soon as they're allowed to. So this episode is all about what happens when a coach does reach out to you to set up a quote-unquote call to discuss your recruiting situation. This can be a great thing, but it can also be very intimidating. What do I say? What do I ask? When should I ask? What will they expect from me? What should I press them on? And while this episode is geared toward aspiring college athletes in 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade who are being recruited by college coaches, there certainly are a lot of universal lessons that can be applied in other interview contexts for summer jobs, for internships, interviews with college alumni, and many more situations. Let me set the stage here. I personally advise my private prep wellers, including my own sons, to request a traditional phone call versus a Zoom call. I know Zoom calls have advantages and they're the hot thing right now, but in my opinion, Zoom calls can often be a net negative compared to a plain old-fashioned phone call. First off, 
Some coaches still aren't that great with the technology, and I think they breathe a sigh of relief when they just have to pick up the phone. I think it's easier to focus on what's being said without worrying about the background and lighting and your volume and notification beepers going off and the posters you have on your wall. And remember, coaches are on the road a lot, and they don't have to set up their computers if they can do it on the phone. They don't have to worry about their background noise. It, it takes a lot off their minds. And I think all around, a phone call is more convenient. Students can have notes in front of them to remind them of certain questions to ask. They can also take notes during the call more easily when it's a phone call versus a Zoom call, so they're not always staring down. All of this is easier on a phone call compared to a Zoom call. Now, Zoom calls will have their moment during this process, but I wouldn't say right off the bat you should go to that. And in order to make this a little bit less generic, this role-playing, I want to use a real case study of a student-athlete who's been asked by the Princeton crew coach to have an introductory recruiting call. The student is an elite coxswain on a highly regarded rowing club, and Princeton is very high on his list. The student has already been in touch with the coach via email. He's sent transcripts in 9th and 10th grade, and now is the first time that they're actually going to talk live. Obviously, there aren't too many people out there listening right now that are going to find themselves in this exact situation as a coxswain, which is a specialized position in a boat. That's the person who calls out the rowing cadence as everybody's rowing. But I thought it would be more interesting than just creating a fill-in-the-blank generic template that has no details about it. So if you're an athlete who is not a coxswain, obviously, I want you to think about this conversation in the context of your own situation. Maybe you're an ice hockey goalie or a lacrosse midfielder or a 200-meter butterfly or whatever it might be. I hope that the ideas and the tactics and the subtleties will translate well for you no matter what your sport or what your position or what school you're targeting. So here's the deal. The Princeton rowing coach reaches out to you and wants to chat on the phone about where you are in the recruiting process. So what do you do? Well, first off, make sure you set up a time that works for both of you. Don't schedule it 15 minutes before your practice starts. And don't suggest that you have an 8 a.m. call your time when that means it's a 5 a.m. call for a coach who might be on a different coast. Find a mutually convenient time, make sure you have whatever contact info you need, and establish who's going to initiate the call. You'd be surprised how many times both parties are sitting staring at their phone when the time for the call comes up, assuming that the other person's going to initiate the call. So get that straight, and obviously be early for the call, be prepared, be organized, find a quiet place where you can concentrate, do all that basic blocking and tackling. Next. Be high energy. Make sure the coach knows that you're excited to talk to him or her, that you're enthusiastic about their school, that you're eager to learn more about their program. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to act like Jim Carrey. But you do want to amplify your enthusiasm, especially if you're normally on the reserved or the quiet side. Energy is contagious. And if you're high energy, that's going to get the coach going too. You also want to sound mature and responsible and engaged because coaches want to recruit upstanding citizens. They don't want students who are going to be problem children. 
who are immature, who are not sure what they're getting into, or they're flaky, especially for the job as a coxswain, where maturity and communication and leadership abilities, these things matter a lot. I also suggest that you have your notes with you, bullet-pointed answers to common or expected questions. Remember, they can't see you, so have your notes in front of you. Also, be prepared to take notes. Have a notebook in front of you. Have a pen. Because the coach may recommend a book or a podcast or an alum that you should get in touch with or a documentary to watch. You don't know. Make sure that you're actively listening and you can take down these suggestions. I would also suggest having a website browser open just in case you want to look something up quickly. And of course, in true Prepwell fashion, make sure you do your homework ahead of time. You know, in the business world, we call that doing your due diligence. Obviously, check out Princeton Rowing's social media profiles. What are they putting out there? What do the players look like? What type of workouts do they do? What do the facilities look like? What does the boathouse look like? What does the coxswain look like? How active is their social media presence? It's amazing these days how familiar you can get with a program, in this case the Princeton Rowing Program, just by studying their social media posts. Make sure you check out their sports page online. What was their team's record last year? How long have the coaches been there? I would go to the news tab on their website. What are some of the stories that you should know about? Maybe they're fundraising to build a brand new boathouse or to acquire new oars or to hire a full-time physical therapist, whatever it might be. These are things that will make you sound really smart. You may even know more than the actual Princeton rowers who are on the team because you're digging in. In this athlete's case, he might want to know whether the team travels overseas to row. That would be a fun point of conversation. Make sure that you study the roster. How many coxswain do they carry on the team? What years are they in? Is there one freshman, three juniors, and one senior? Are there four freshmen, zero sophomores, zero juniors, and three seniors? Get the lay of the land. What is their height and weight? Are they male or female? Have they had successful careers as coxswain? You want to know these things. Do some due diligence on the other sections of the college's website as well, not just the rowing section. Check out the academics. Check out residential life. Be familiar what's going on at the school in general. Maybe you can even try to talk to other players or alumni who might shed some light on the program. In summary, do your homework. Do your due diligence. Sound smart and prepared when you're talking to the coach. Now, how about some questions? One question you can ask is whether they offer junior days or official campus visits. Now, junior days are typically offered to the top recruits during their junior year, and they vary in how organized and intense they are. Sometimes they invite a group of 30 prospects for lunch and a campus tour. Other times it's a smaller group of six or seven students who stay for a full day of scheduled activities. Either way, junior days provide a great opportunity to build a relationship. Official campus visits, on the other hand, are a sign that the coach is very serious about you. Junior days aren't typically paid for by the college, but official visits are typically paid for by the school. In an official visit, since they're paying your way, presumably they're just not 
offering these trips to every single athlete who shows a little bit of interest in their program. It's usually a much smaller group and one that you want to be in. So you can ask the coach what the next step might be. Do they offer junior days? Are they thinking about having some student athletes out for official visits yet? This will give the coach a chance to reveal how their process works, and you might be able to gather where you stand in the pecking order just by way of are there junior days or official visits and how they're figuring that out. Here's another question you can pose to the coach. How do you develop your coxswains? This is a sneaky way of asking, how many coxswains do you normally carry at one time on the roster? Do you have six on the team or do you have three? How does the coach determine which coxswain is in which boat? Is it seniority-based? Is it performance-based? Is it leadership-based? Is it based on feedback from the rowers? This is important to know for you because it gives you insight into the type of relationship you may have with a coach, how much quote-unquote playing time you might get, how much time in the boat and which boats. That may be important for you. It may also give you an idea of how competitive it might be to move from boat to boat to boat. You can also ask, how many other coxswain the coach is talking to? Now, this is a gutsy question because the coach may or may not want to divulge exactly how many other coxswain they're talking to. It could be 20 and they're casting a wide net, or it could be three and you're one of the top three. How the coach handles this question should give you more information about that. For example, since the coxswain position is so specialized and they don't need, typically, multiple coxswain in each class, do they recruit every year a coxswain? Do they recruit every other year? You can ask that question. It's a legitimate question. You can also directly ask where you stand among the other recruits. Again, this is a gutsy question because you're trying to figure out how much they really want you and where you are in the pecking order. And by the way, don't feel bad about asking this question of the coach because Guess what's going to happen? They're going to ask you the same thing. They're going to ask you, so what other schools are you looking at? Where do we stand among the other schools that are recruiting you? This may be a dicey question because you might be looking at a lot of other schools or you may have no other schools interested in you. So you're going to have to tap dance around that a little bit. Maybe you're looking at one of Princeton's main rival schools. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. How you handle this question, even if not directly, will give the coach an idea of where your head is. So consider your words carefully, as the coach is probably considering her or his words carefully. You can always ask what the timeline looks like. Do you expect me to apply early action? Is there an admissions pre-read that I should expect? When does that happen? How reliable are the results of the pre-read? In other words, if admissions gives me the thumbs up early on in August or September, should I count on that? You can also ask, what should my target SAT or ACT be? Of course, you'll make the coach's life a lot easier if you have a very high score, but that won't be the case for every recruit. Especially in the Ivy League, the coach has to consider the average SAT of all of the recruits and make sure that they don't fall below a certain threshold. So ask them about the range of SAT scores that they're going to expect for you in order to get a favorable readout from admissions. Ask them how competitive admissions will be. Get this out in the open. Clear the air, especially at a school like Princeton. Make sure you're not wasting everyone's time. Experienced coaches will know pretty quickly whether you're competitive or not 
by your transcript and your SAT and ACT score. So ask them straight up, will my application make it through admissions? You can also offer for that Princeton coach to call and discuss your case with your club or your high school coach. If you have a good relationship with your high school or your club coach, feel free to connect them so that your coaches can advocate for you. And now, obviously, if you're going to do that, make sure you give your club coach and your high school coach a heads up so they aren't blindsided when they get a phone call out of the blue from the Princeton crew coach asking about you, and you don't want to catch them off guard. So, of course, keep them in the loop on all these things. You can always ask the coach about what their upcoming schedule looks like. You could probably find it online, so don't make it something that's really easy to research on your own, but ask them, hey, what's what's going on? How, how many times are you guys working out a week? Dry land, on the water, what's the schedule like? And make sure that you let them know what your schedule is. Make sure you follow up your call with a list of all of your upcoming competitions, your regattas, whatever it might be. You can also ask that coach if it would be okay for you to connect with some of the upperclassmen, maybe a junior or a senior coxswain, just to get an idea of their perspective on the program. This is a good way of showing additional interest. Your eagerness to connect with other coxswain in the older classes is a good sign, and the coach should oblige. Then it will be up to you to follow through and actually make those connections. You can always ask how financial aid works. Again, this can be a dicey question. I would leave it open-ended and don't get into too many details. Just let the coach talk. Take some good notes. Obviously, at this point, the coach probably doesn't know very much about your financial situation, so they're not going to know exactly how to guide you, but hear them out. I mean, in Princeton's case, they don't offer any athletic scholarships, so hopefully the coach will will come clean about that, but they do have very generous need-based financial aid programs. What that tells you is that if your parents make a lot of money, don't expect to get any financial aid from Princeton. Prepare to pay your way in full. You know, that may be okay or that may be a limitation. You can ask the coach, are there any majors that are off the table given the heavy time commitment of crew? Sometimes there are majors like chemistry that have mandatory afternoon labs. That may not work as a rower or as a coxswain because they have afternoon practices. So see if the coach has any insight into this. You can always ask the coach, what are the biggest challenges faced by the student-athletes? This is an easy softball question. It's just meant to see how much the coach is in tune with the players. Does the coach understand some of the trials and tribulations that some of the athletes go through? You certainly should ask the coach what else they need from you, if anything. Do they need video? Do they need audio? Do they need up-to-date end-of-year transcripts as soon as they come out? Do they need a better SAT score? Do they need references? Do they have to talk to your coach? Do they need to look at your essays? Do you need to fill out a whole pre-application? What you really want to say is, coach, how much do you want me? And if I'm not your number one guy or I'm not your number one girl, what do I need to do to convince you that I am? Or if you're not quite sure I'm the best fit yet, what can I do to get you over the hump? And listen to what the coach has to say. And an easy way to get out of the interview is by asking the coach for quote-unquote, next steps. Hey, coach, what are the next steps here? Maybe it's making arrangements for a junior day. Maybe it's scheduling an official visit. Maybe it's connecting with those upperclassmen. And make sure you write these things down. If he's going to give you a, or she's going to give you a, a, a task list, make sure you're writing these things down. 
And then after you hang up, make sure you follow up and answer these outstanding questions. Maybe they need your coach's information, your contact information. Let them know about your upcoming events. Make sure you send over that transcript, whatever it might be. Remember, you are auditioning to become a part of this coach's family for the next four years and beyond that. They want to know that you are reliable and accountable and on the ball, especially as a coxswain who bears a pretty good amount of leadership and administrative responsibilities on the team. If you're neck and neck with another recruit, you may get the nod because you've shown yourself to be better organized or more reliable or more likable. That literally could be the difference between you getting into Princeton or not. So don't drop the ball after the call. Follow up, follow up, follow up. Well, I hope this brief rundown gave you some good food for thought in terms of how to prepare for your first phone call with a college coach. It can be intimidating the first few times. But if you use this basic framework, these basic principles applied to your sport and your age and your year, you'll be more prepared than any other recruit out there. And with that, I wish you luck. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the continued support. If you know a parent with a 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th grader, 12th grader in high school that might find this episode helpful, please share it with them. You can do that by finding that small box with the tiny arrow pointing up. That's the share button. Click that button. Text your friends the link to this episode with a little personal note from you recommending that they give it a listen. If you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email. DM me on Instagram. Check out our blog, Facebook. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll your child today.